Okay, the reading tonight is taken from uh, the first chapter of Luke, and it's on page 1025 in the Church Bibles, if you want to follow along. We have adapted it slightly from what's on the service sheet, so just to test if you're paying attention. (laughs) We're going to jump around a bit. Um, We're taking a few extra verses as well. So we're going to start at verse 5, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. We're going to skip ahead a bit now to verse 13. Um, Zechariah encounters the angel. Um, And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born." He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And now we're going to turn the page all the way now to verse 36 and the angel another angel is same angel oh no (laughs) there's an angel um speaking to mary now um and saying even elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from god will ever fail I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So, follow the star. That's the title of the series you are, we are in right now. It is the time of Advent, and 
that is to say that's a time all about expecting, about waiting. God's people are waiting and preparing for a major event, which is the coming of the transforming presence of Jesus Christ in the world. And with the title, Follow the Star, we have right from the start many hints of what is going, what is going on during the time of the Advent. With the mention of the star, the title leads us to think that something uncommon, something beyond the human ordinary is taking place. The title also gives a sense of a dynamic. The star that has to be followed speaks about motion. And from there, we can guess that something is in the making. And if we wanted to discover what that thing was, we would then probably have to accept to be set into motion ourselves. The question is, are we ready? Are we willing to do that? I guess in our Christian life, that's a question we may have to be to ask recurrently. And the, the answer belongs to us. Anyways, one more thing to say about the, the title is that is also meaningful if we think of the star as a symbolic marker, indicating something, some kind of a crossroad, a place where divine and human reality meet. And I guess it is particularly interesting during this time of the Advent, while focusing on specific characters, to have a closer look on how divine and human plots connect and intertwine. We can then be reminded that both plots reveal that God is moving. He has a plan. He is doing something, but is not doing it in his own at a distance, away from the human sphere and reality. No, his work is done in our midst. And we also get to understand that whatever God is doing, he's doing it for us. And he's apparently also, he's also willing to be doing it with us. We are indeed partakers of God's plan. And he always seems to be looking for co-workers. The first chapters of the Gospel of Luke show that it takes several human characters to enact and unfold God's plan. So far in this series, we have spoken of Zachariah and Mary. We will talk today focus on Elizabeth. To me, for different reasons, Elizabeth appeared to be a quite emblematic character. First, I would say because the story of her life echoes perfectly what would be the main theme of the time of the advent, that is waiting, expectation. And this very theme is particularly significant for God's people 
It is present throughout the whole biblical narrative, even if at times it only appears in silhouette. We find it in the foundation of God's people history from the very first beginnings, the time of slavery in Egypt, with the growing idea of hope for the coming of a Messiah. Over the course of time, the issue of waiting keeps emerging at times as a collective issue, at times as a more personal one. It is central in Elizabeth and Zachariah experience. But the theme had already emerged in the scriptures before them, notably in relation to Abraham and Sarah. But let's speak about Elizabeth. Not much is said about Elizabeth, but we at least know that she's married to Zechariah. Both are excellent, of excellent lineage, and they are judged righteous, righteous in the sight of God. Zechariah is a priest. We can then guess that in the society she lives in, being the wife of a priest, that would grant Elizabeth some kind of honorific status. So here comes the honorable Elizabeth. I guess we could probably picture her in a very merry and bright setting. But the truth is that a deep shadow is cast over a whole situation because Elizabeth has a desire that remains unsatisfied. She wants a child and yet has none. She's barren. And her situation has lasted for many long years. Can we imagine what Elizabeth's life must have been like? In a time Women were married quite young, and for them, full respect and recognition came with being a wife and, above all, a mother. Elizabeth was now advanced in age, but a desire for a child was yet to be fulfilled. Days went by, days after days, and every day that came along was a not-yet day for her. Every day must have been a painful reminder of a situation. Not yet. Little by little, her desire must have grown to a full extent. But then she was left in what must have looked like a dead end. She was there, probably with a big sense of loneliness and had to cope with this uneasy situation. She had to manage an unfulfilled desire there, stuck in this dead end. Her perspective was probably very shadowy and restricted. I guess she could mainly see the hole that a man's desire was creating in her life, in her heart. A hole big enough to capture attention and energy, a hole that would prevent her from seeing and thinking clearly. 
Anyways, we can certainly say that Elizabeth was bruised. She was hurt. And her situation was serious enough to cause unrest in her soul and in her spirit. And that's precisely for people like Elizabeth that the transforming light of the world was needed and was to come. But for a long time, Elizabeth was expecting. She was waiting. And waiting is a process. And it can be unsettling. First, because we usually don't have any route map when we have to go through trials. But still, we have to move on. And we are left to figure out our way, step by step. And it is then that faith must make an entrance. The dynamics of faith can lead us on. We then need a faith, a faith strong enough to enable us to see and to believe. See God's presence and believe that beyond the apparent immobility, something is in motion. Believe that something lives despite the perceived fixity of things and time. Faith can indeed be an opening door, a way out of our debts and situations. By faith, we can head towards light, notably the light of the star. By faith, we can instill light and life in our darkness. When and where death tries to have the upper hand. By faith, we can stand firmly rooted in life and resist possible winds of impatience, doubt, disbelief, or even renunciation. But of course I know it is much easier said than done. Because the waiting process can indeed be very unsettling. It creates suffering. And on top of that, we also have to deal with uncertainty. Uncertainty about, about the timing or about the outcome of the whole experience. For many years, Elizabeth did not have a clue about what was to happen. We don't precisely know how she reacted every step of the way, but we do know that in painful situations, in times of tests and trials, we often let our emotions lead the way. But most of the time, they mislead us. They take us farther and farther away, away from our true spiritual destiny and identity, away from God's presence and counsel. We are twofold beings, emotional and spiritual at the same time. And we should be an unified, made one. In Christ, we should. But at times, we are fragmented. And our spiritual self is somehow suffoca suffocated. 
yet the spiritual element in us should be our driving force the driving force of our thoughts and action to put it differently our emotional responses often prevent us from investing and deploying our spiritual identity but in truth we need to made to be made whole it is when our spiritual self is being active through prayer of the listening of God's voice that true wonders can happen a messenger from God was sent to deliver this message do not be afraid Zechariah your prayer has been heard obviously God pays attention to prayer and he acts upon them through Elizabeth's story I found interesting to notice how with God's intervention personal and collective stories personal waiting and collective waiting are connected how they respond to one another and complete each other man's desire and God's desire meet and in the, the case of Elizabeth and Zechariah as in fact it was also for Abraham and Sarah we can notice an interesting pattern God seems to welcome men's desires he receives them he receives human expectations and hopes that are entrusted to him but he does not only receive them he moves them too he transcends them to ultimately produce a bigger project than what was initially planned he finally comes up with a much more inclusive project in the case of Elizabeth the fulfillment of her desire somehow exceeds what had been hoped for in the first place Elizabeth wanted a child she wanted a child for her some someone who would be important to her but John the Baptist her son will also be important to all the people of Israel he'll be important to the world his destiny was to be articulated with that of Christ it is he John the Baptist who was to prepare the ways of the Lord God has transformed Elizabeth's initial plan he has received it and moved it he has enriched and enlarged it thus in a certain way what had been entrusted to him has been magnified there is possibly a parallel to be made here with the parable of talents what God entrusts us with he expects us to invest profitably but conversely Elizabeth's story also illustrates that what is entrusted to him he receives and makes it bear fruit 
the situation reminds me of the process in Genesis. A process where at every, at every stage of the making of creation, God stops as a look at what has been accomplished and commands. This is good. And then on the last day, it looks the whole creation and that leads him to say, this is very good. It could well be what is really at stake for us in the fulfilling of our prayers and hopes entrusted to God. The coming to a particular point where our plans would not only be good, but very good. And this in the sight of the Lord. That is to say that they become a blessing for us, but also for many others. So I guess today, after gathering those things that could be understood with the life of Elizabeth, we could probably take the time to humbly acknowledge when we have failed to let God's perspective shape our plans and life. Acknowledge when we have simply failed to keep on hoping for the better. Acknowledge when the voice of our fears or doubt were louder than the voice of the Lord. Or even acknowledge when we have lost sight of the word and the will of the Lord. But here is the word spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plan to give you hope and a future. Then you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So I'm thinking during the time of the Advent this year, why not be once again collectively and individually heading towards the star? Why not be heading towards the light and truth? Of God. And what about seeking him and finding him? We may then discover at first hand that God is in the business of upheavals and transformation and that he does it for the better. As a conclusion, I would say whatever our situation or concern may be today, whether related to our work, our family, or to the prosperity of our body, our soul, and spirit, whatever expectations or whatever waiting process we may be in, we should try to see the larger picture. We, sh we should remember that our story is included in a much broader one. We are like Elizabeth, characters of a broad narrative, a macro narrative, a divine plot, 
a story which is all about bringing light into darkness, all about transformation, all about instilling breath and seeing the victory of life over death. And whatever our situation or concern is today, let's also be reminded that the Lord is always ready for us. He is always ready to walk with us. He's ready to receive our prayers and listen to our desires. So why not entrust him with our expectations? Who knows what he will be willing to do with it? So maybe we should truly get ready for him. Ready for this is unexpected. Ready also for the possible adjustments he may be willing to make with regard to our plans, vision, or perspectives. Let the Lord, our Heavenly Father, take care of all our sterile situations, all our deadlocks, our dead ends. He's able, he's able to push back the boundaries of our possibilities. So let him enlarge the place of a tent. Amen.